I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a series of crimes against people of Asian descent set against the backdrop of a year of intense racism has prompted anger, fear, and long-standing questions that never seem to get answered. Among them, why have Asian Americans been so often overlooked, cast as foreigners in their own home, and scapegoated for problems like the coronavirus? My guest today is Chronicle reporter Janelle Bitker. Janelle, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. So, Janelle, you've been writing about uh, the atmosphere in the Asian American community. Uh, it's been a difficult time. Uh, the story is available on sfchronicle.com this morning. Janelle, uh, what did you find when, you, when you've been talking to people about how they're feeling about what's going on? People are understandably really distraught. Um, I think for most people seeing these videos that have come out in recent weeks of unarmed elderly Asian men being thrown to the ground unprovoked. Um, it's devastating. It's terrifying. Why are these things happening? Um, it brings up a lot of questions and also a lot of memories, I think, for for other people of, you know, times they've felt othered in society, times they've had microaggressions thrown at them. Um, I think for a lot of Asians, including in the Bay Area, even though it's so progressive and liberal here, um, they've experienced racism. And there's also a feeling that 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 racism is not always acknowledged, right? Yes, I think there is this feeling that what Asians experience is not important enough or it doesn't rise to the level of what black people experience in America. And, and certainly we are not seeing Asian people shot by police regularly. It's not the same thing, but it does feel like we should be able to hold space for the racism that black people experience in this country and the other types of racism Asian people experience. You spoke to Kelly Yang. This was one of the people that you you feature in the piece, and she she told you about some experiences she had. Yeah, so I talked to a lot of people for the story. I think almost twenty people. Um, not everyone experienced some hate during COVID, but this person, Kelly Yang, an author of children's books, um, she was living in the East Bay for most of the pandemic, but recently moved, but she was telling me about this really scary incident in April where she brought her dog to this park. It was her first time there with the dog, so she left the dog unleashed um, while she was hanging out with her children, and this woman came came up to her and very aggressively, not wearing a mask, and told her the dog needed to be on a leash. And I and immediately put the dog on leash. And I said, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was my first time at this park. Um, I now understand. And then she said, well, there are signs everywhere. Can't you read Oriental? And that's when my heart just starts, starts pounding because I realized maybe this isn't just about the dog and she's calling me this name and I'm in front of my children. Um, so I said to her, okay, I understand the rules. I'm sorry. He's on a leash now. You don't have to be rude about it. That's what I said. And this sort of makes her irritated with me. At this point, she turns to her husband, who is still on the way on the other side of the park. And then he starts walking towards me, too. 
And he also doesn't have a mask and he's walking towards me with their dog and he gets close to me and he says, go back to where you came from. So, you know, a lot of this comes in the context of the coronavirus. Um, what are people saying about what the past year has been like in the Asian community? Well, it's been really tense and they often blame former President Donald Trump first and foremost. He constantly called it the Chinese flu, the Kung flu, the Chinese virus. Um, and that just stoked a lot of fears in the general community. And people started associating Asian people with the coronavirus. Yeah, there was the whole idea of, you know, you should be afraid to to go out in, in Chinese neighborhoods that, that, that was being spread. Um, there were... Uh, you know, and it wasn't just a name, was it? I mean, it was it was it was scapegoating um, the country, scapegoating people uh, for the virus. Exactly. And that's something that we've been seeing for a very long time in this country. Um, I spoke to a professor of ethnic studies at UC Berkeley who explained how Chinese people were being accused of causing a smallpox outbreak in San Francisco in the 1800s. And in the 1900s, they were also accused of spreading the bubonic plague, even though these things were not actually accurate. And SARS more recently resulted in economic devastation for a lot of Chinese-owned businesses because people associated SARS with China and they didn't want to get their takeout like they normally would. Yeah, you raise this. You raise this term, perpetual foreigner. And and when you say that, what do you mean by that? There is a very damaging stereotype that people call perpetual foreigner myth, and that's that Asian people are always seen as not from here, even if they were born here, even if they're fifth generation Asian American, it's always like they're not American enough. And that's something that came up in basically every interview I did for this story. It's as with Kelly Yang, um, the feeling she was left with because that man said, go back to where you came from is, well, didn't I contribute to this country? Aren't I? I've been living here for decades. Um, don't I matter here, basically? And I mean, I've been told to go back to China also, and it's it's incredibly hurtful. It's um, It makes you feel like you don't belong, that you'll never belong, that you're subhuman even, like this idea that no matter who you are or what you do in your life, you're not going to be good enough for some people. Yeah. So Janelle, as someone of Chinese descent, has this year been different for you than, than past years? Um, I mean, emotionally it's been, it's been rough. It's hard to separate how it's been difficult just because we're in this pandemic and how it's been difficult because I'm Asian and a little more scared of being out and about than I might normally be. Um, I remember early in the pandemic when these incidents were really starting to go viral online. I was at a coffee shop in Berkeley um, with my husband, and there was another Asian guy in line with us. And 
another guy who was not Asian, who was not wearing a mask and was being very aggressive. And it didn't really make sense. He was just like mad at us for being near him. He was arguing with the guy behind him about who was in line first. And I just had this moment there like, oh, no, it's going to happen right now. It's going to happen to me or it's going to happen to this other Asian guy. Do I have my phone with me? Do I need to start recording? Like, and that's not something I would normally think from a guy being mean (laughs) in public, you know, but it it happens so often. You're seeing it everywhere. Um, The Stop AAPI reporting project has recorded almost 3,000 reports since the start of pandemic. It's, and many more don't get reported. Well, again, Janelle, it's an amazing piece. I want to take a quick break. Again, for for readers, that piece is now up at sfchronicle.com. We'll take a quick break on Fifth Admission, back with Janelle Bitker. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth Admission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Welcome back to Fifth Admission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm joined by Chronicle reporter Janelle Bitker, whose piece on the recent attacks against Asian Americans is at sfchronicle.com. Uh, Janelle, I, I want to ask you a little bit about the attacks because it's on a lot of people's minds and and what should be done. But but first, I want to go back to your discussions uh, with people about how they're feeling. What what struck you the most in talking to people in this climate? I think one really interesting trend was the difference in in generations. Um, I talked to one woman, a Chinatown vendor in her 60s, who told me she was so shocked by what was happening now because she had never encountered racism here in her life. And I was so surprised because it just seemed impossible. Like, did she not realize that maybe things were happening around her? Um, Similarly, I went on this patrol of Chinatown community patrol group for safety, basically. And um, someone told me about an older woman who was dragged through the Stockton tunnel by her purse um, just a week earlier. And I said, oh, I I would love to talk to this woman about her experience. And he called her, said, hey, I have this reporter here. Would you talk to her? And and she said, no, she didn't. She didn't want to talk about it. And that's sort of classic. Um, as, As Asian people, we are raised to be quiet and hardworking. And that contributes to this model minority myth that is another damaging stereotype because it erases people for which that's not accurate. Um, But Kelly Yang was telling me that this really impacted her as well in her upbringing. And when she told her mom about this incident in the park, her mom was like, well, you should have had your dog on the leash. It's Mm. your fault. White people can afford to make mistakes, but we can't afford to make mistakes. And Kelly was not happy about that response from her mom. And I think part of that is she's thinking about her children and not wanting her children to have that same feeling hanging over them 
Um, and she's a children's author and she deals with racism in her books. So I write about these things, but still the amazing thing was when it came time to tell my kids about it, I really was at a loss for words, you know, and it took me some time to gather my thoughts and it took like courage to be able to tell them like that mommy was hurt. And the next question they had was, why would they do this? And also what's going to happen next time? And how are you going to protect us? And I, I didn't have an answer to those questions. Speaking of this generational divide, Janelle, I, I want to ask about the younger generation, though, because it seems like people are really outspoken now and feeling like they need to to really um, to raise this issue and bring it to new places and bring it to new channels and talk about it. Yeah, I think that's the big difference that we're seeing right now. And um, Kelly, you know, I think is one of those people. She's been very public about her experience on her social media channels. And a lot of the people who spoke up for the story are younger and, and not afraid to say what happened. And similarly, the organizing that we're seeing with patrol groups in Chinatown, including also Oakland, Chinatown more recently, are really being driven by the younger generation. So we might be hearing about this topic a lot more in the future. I think we will be. Um, and I think that's something that also gives leaders who have been working in the space for a long time a lot of hope. Um, and I think one thing Cynthia Choi told me, she's uh, the co-executive director of Chinese for Affirmative Action, um, was that one important thing for people to talk about now is, is you know, why, why is it important to talk about the anti-Asian racism? And it's that it's not just about Asians. It's about everyone. And if this happens to one person, it can easily happen to another group of people. Um, and I think her emotion when she talks about it is really telling of how important it is. Just like when one individual is affected by hate, it doesn't just hurt that individual and their immediate family. It hurts an entire community. Um, when I hear that um, an Asian, or when I'm reading about these incidents, um, it feels like daggers, you know, in my heart. <laughs> and so, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> getting a little emotional. Let's talk about the recent attacks that have everybody uh, feeling concerned. Janelle, the, the video recorded ones a lot of people have seen. Um, totally unprovoked attacks, one in San Francisco and one in Oakland in particular. But there have been a lot of crimes. And I think it seems like people are struggling over, uh, over how complicated they are, that there seems to be a number of reasons for them that go beyond either opportunistic criminals or go beyond perhaps um, straight hatred or people feeling vulnerable. But but there seems to be a whole spectrum of uh, of what's going on here that and people seem to be having a little bit of a hard time getting a finger on it. Definitely. Um, Cynthia Choi and many other local Asian organizations have come out um, to denounce hate, of course, but they've also come out to sort of paint that more complicated picture that we don't know if some of these attacks are hate-related. Um, she was telling me that there's always a big uptick 
in crime, specifically robberies against Asians in January and February every year. And that's because that's leading into the Lunar New Year. And there are traditions to give out cash in red envelopes during the Lunar New Year. So it is based in this cultural reality that Asian people are likely to be carrying cash on them in those months. So in that sense, it does seem like a lot of these robberies, especially there's, I think I counted more than 30 attacks and robberies um, in the Bay Area since December. A lot of them are probably because it was Lunar New Year. Um, But it still means Asian people were targeted, and it still means older Asian people in particular have been targeted. And it also feeds into these stereotypes of, well, older Asian people, maybe they don't speak English. Maybe because they don't speak English, they're not going to report it to the police so we can get away with it. Um, So it's really complicated because there is clearly this targeting, but it's not necessarily hate-driven, but it's still not a good thing. Um, I mean, my own grandparents, who did not speak English, their house was ransacked once when I was a child. And it's because of these true cultural things. They had a lot of cash around. Um, Someone probably targeted them specifically. I mean, why would they choose this random house in San Leandro, right? Sure. And it it, it is a, a sort of form of hate um, to be targeted based on your race. I mean, even if the even if the person is not saying I hate you, right? Um, if they're choosing you, then that's um, it feels the same way often. Yeah, but there has been this interesting rush online to paint all of these crimes as as hate crimes. And on one hand, maybe that's not accurate. On the other hand, if it brings people together against hate, it's hard to argue with. Yeah, one one anecdote that really struck me was uh, someone you spoke to who talked about being in the supermarket line and returning something. And that that really struck me. Right. I was talking to Judy Lee, who works for the city of San Francisco, and she was asking for a price check on some ice cream. And the cashier said, okay, no more returns for you, Chinese lady. Um, And she told me she just didn't really register the comment at first. It was just strange. Um, But then as she left, another employee said a racial slur to her um, and told her, next time, use the other door. So it was one after the other during this really tense time. Um, And there is some stereotyping in that comment, right? No more returns for you. It implies that Chinese people are always trying to get returns, that they're cheap. Um, But she was really worried about her parents and elders who might not perceive what's going on if that happened to them. The last thing I want to ask you is just, you know, in terms of of the story, now you've talked to to all these people and you've experienced some of it yourself. I mean, what would you tell people that are not in the Asian American community that are looking at this and, and, and sort of trying to understand, um, you know, where they fit in, what can be done? Um, you know, where do we go from here? 
That is a great question. Um, there are a lot of local Asian organizations working towards solutions. Um, so if you wanted to get involved, you could look up one of them. Um, Chinese for Affirmative Action in San Francisco is a really great place to start. Their website's very thorough. And um, I mean, they're going to be lobbying government officials for resources ranging from um, early intervention in neighborhoods to um, like helping people who are victims with trauma. They really need this multi-pronged approach. And I think also just conversations are always great. Talking to people you know, um, examining your own stereotypes perhaps, and just thinking about the way you view the world and uh, how it's been shaped by other people and whether maybe it could change a little. All right. Well, Janelle, let's leave it there. Thanks so much for doing this story and, and thanks for coming on. Thanks, Damien. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter Janelle Bitker, to read her story about the reaction in the Asian American community to the recent attacks. Go to sfchronicle.com. To King Kaufman, thanks for producing this episode and thank you for listening. <laughs>